welcome to the Delling Pond with me, James Delling. <laughs> You're not meant to laugh. You, my guests don't normally laugh at that point, you know. They're, I, I do beg your pardon. Just, just wait. Just... Wait till your wait till your cue. Special. Okay, I'll be quiet. I'll um, be quiet. And I have been talking to lots of special guests recently about the lockdown and coronavirus and stuff. And people have been saying to me, why don't you have somebody different? Um, and I think my, my guest today is different. His name is Steve Witchett. And Steve, I don't know how to describe you. You're a bit like my, my loony doctor. Um, come. <laughs> I remember vaguely that we met, um, yeah. that we, you were introduced to me by Paul McKenna. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Indeed, indeed. Very, very graciously introduced, yeah. And Paul McKenna, uh, tell me if I'm wrong here. He's a really nice guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Paul's a super guy. Uh, really, really nice bloke. Um, he's one of my role models for not only how to be good at doing this kind of work, yeah. but for how to re retain being a regular individual when you're rich and famous. Uh, that's really like that. interesting point you make there that is absolutely key mm. isn't it that, that we see lots of people being completely ruined by celebrity mm. they, they get airs and graces they've got no time for the, they forget who they were before they were famous and he yes. seems to me you look at his his career and he's probably blushing now somewhere you know uh whatever happened, <laughs> talking, to, talking about you he's I mean, I don't know how much he's made from those various self-help help, help books, but it must be mm. gazillions. And yet, mm. I've, I've met lots of, lots of famous, successful people in my time, and mm. some of them have been ruined by it. And he's one of the people that hasn't. I think he's really nice yeah. and helpful, and uh, I'll get him on the podcast one day. I mean, not, not that I'm saying that you're a piss-poor substitute for um, Paul McKenna, Steve. <laughs> you understand. <laughs> Uh, because I love you very much. Did I, have I mentioned your name yet, Steve? Steve Witchett. How, actually, Steve, how do you how do you describe yourself on your calling card? Well, it, it actually depends. Um, I I like the the founder of NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, Richard Bandler. Yeah. has simplified his card over the years. Now he's just got the word wizard on his card, and yeah, I quite like the idea of just one day um, growing my hair very long, having a long grey beard, a yeah. big staff with a crystal on the top. I like Gandalf the Grey. And yeah, people come and see me, and and I say come in sit down for a spell now what was the problem yeah. yes you'd like to be well, that gone yeah on my business card i describe myself as an nlp master practitioner uh, because nlp richard bandler said i made up the term neuro-linguistic programming so you guys can do whatever you want so a percentage of my clients think I'm a psychotherapist. Right. A percentage think I'm a business mentor. Mm. A percentage think I'm a, a life coach. It might be that they're coming to me for hypnotherapy or uh, I help mentor and develop colleagues. Yeah. So I, I think I'm sort of a bit chameleon-like in, in what I do. It depends yeah. on what people want, what they need. I thought you'd be interesting to talk to. Mm. Uh, apart from Thank the you. fact that I haven't spoken to you for about God knows how long. How long is it? I mean, I know it's, 
Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be two years, three years. I three think. years, okay. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. But I oh, thought wow. particularly what we know about the lockdown, we're not going to talk about, about, about the news very much, but one thing we know is that a lot of people have been suffering mental health problems as a result of being cooped up in their homes. And mm -hmm. I'm sort of thinking, well, there are going to be some listeners here who are going to be thinking, well, you know, what do I give? I, I'm fine mentally. Um, mm. and, and for those listeners, I'd say, well, okay, well, you might find Steve interesting. You, you're right. You, you might not. I, th I think you are interesting. But there are going to be people out there who, people like me, who are prone to, to depression, anxiety, and all sorts of weird mental stuff. And you're, I think you probably can give them a few tips like you gave me um, in our various Definitely. sessions. Um, before we go into those, what I wanted to talk to you about was well, stop laughing. Stop, you laugh far it's too nice much. To yeah, you're, you're very, very small, James. I know, that's the thing. I don't know whether this is part of your patter, Steve, but you are very good at making me feel like happy to be me. And I, d and I don't want to say that in a kind of wanky kind of therapy speak way. <laughs> but one of the things that you um, said about me, and I think this has been, this is actually key to whenever I've been successful, I have observed this most that the most important thing, I don't know whether in everyone's life, but certainly in my life, is that quality you call congruence. Being yeah, congruent. 100%. Tell me, just yeah. so, so explain what congruence is. Yeah, I, I best illustrate it by telling a story about seeing an individual wearing clothes that don't suit them. And we, we've all had that experience. Somebody's wearing something that's just too old for them or too young for them or too trendy for them what, like your t-shirt yeah yeah thank you <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah can the viewers see me as well i i, I hope so yeah yeah so carry on yeah, yeah. Fantastic. fantastic i i should apologize for all the books behind me when i talk to clients and uh, and other people on on video it's just the way my camera's lined up um, i like books i'm mm. I've put all my CDs on electronic, but I can't quite bring myself to do that uh, for my, my books. They furnish a room. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not showing off particularly. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. So uh, you see people who are incongruent in the way they dress and they just don't look right with themselves. And you see other people who look really, really together with themselves uh, in, in their attitude, their manner, the things that they're wearing. And you think there's somebody that's quite attractive because they're congruent with themselves. Yes. Um, a good example is Jade Goody. Um, Jade Goody, whatever people think of her, some like her, some don't, or liked her, didn't. Yeah. Um, Jade Goody had a really likeable quality, and, and it fascinated me. I couldn't quite work out what it was I liked about her until I recognised she was congruent with herself. She was being absolutely authentic, uh, just like our mutual friend Paul McKenna. That he's completely congruent. What you see is what you get. Yeah. yeah. Is, is congruent, do you think, another word for authenticity? I mean, for example, is Donald Trump congruent? 
Yeah, completely. And and he, he's likable because what he says is like a child. It's immediate and in the moment it's very unfiltered, it seems. Um, you know? so, so I, I think that congruence and charisma um, have got a lot going for them in, in, in common, if that makes sense. And do you think people can be trained to to become more congruent i think so i think so um i, I teach people a, a trick of checking in with their their congruence check their internal filter an nlp technique to see whether we actually believe ourselves whether we esteem ourselves whether we're confident in ourselves uh, and it's very simple to do uh, i can show Tell you how me. To do oh it please yeah 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 um uh, i know you're extremely well read and highly educated and all that right. um think of a word visualize in front of you a word that you can check the spelling of you got one um yes can you can you see a word any word uh, the word giraffe or pineapple yeah yeah yeah, the, yeah the, the, there's a word yeah, in front of yeah, me yeah yeah, yeah. Now, have a look at that word, hmm. and how do you know it's spelled correctly? Um, I just know. I mean, I'm, I'm reasonably good at spelling. Absolutely. So you can look at it, and you can visually see it's good, hmm. and you also, most likely, most people do, will get a thing called a congruence check. Somewhere down the midline of your body, from the centre of your throat, down to your navel or uh, lower area of your torso, yeah. you'll, you'll get a little ping, a little feeling that says, yep, that's it, a kind of yep feeling. So just pay attention to that feeling and look at the word. Do you get that? Do you get a, a sensation somewhere? Uh, well, now you mention it, yeah, I'm sort of getting it kind of, yeah, yeah like you said. Yeah. yeah where is it for you please it's different for for everybody where do you, where do you oh feel? in my in my sort of around my belly button super super the uh the navel chakra area you know i'm sorry for the chakra mention i'm not that we, we, no we did uh, that in tai chi as well it's in in tai chi it's called the yeah. lower dan chen exactly so, there's obviously the a kind of yeah yeah yeah, so what happens when you get a sensation there? Oh, most often we don't notice that, but that's a congruence check. You look at the thing, it looks right. Some people say yup to themselves or uh-huh, uh, or some people just remain silent because it doesn't need any comment, and they get a physical feeling. Yeah, And, and that's a nice yeah. indicator, that congruence check. So I say to people, when you think about yourself riding a penny-farthing bicycle in Oxford Street, how mm. congruent does that feel? <laughs> Not that I've ever seen you do that, James. But no, yeah. I imagine yeah. it would be quite rough. I mean, do they even yeah. have tires on them? I don't think they do, do they? They, they don't have pneumatic no, tires. Rubber tires they used to be uh, back in the days when I rode one in, in the 18th century. But, mm. um, <laughs> they weren't so invented in the 18th, see, 19th century, surely. I, I think you're probably correct, as you are on most things. But mm. <laughs> so when you think about that experience, whether you see it or uh, experience actually doing that yeah you notice that you don't get a congruence check there's no feeling of yup it's okay yeah. mm. yes but when you think about um your idea when you think i am james denning mm. uh, and you say that to yourself you probably get the congruence check there yeah yeah yeah, yeah excellent I'm, i definitely so am james 
Yeah, in medieval days, they used to call this kind of thing a touchstone. Uh, so I give clients a touchstone. Mm. Um, sometimes they do it in different ways. I get them to notice whether they're leaning forwards or backwards when they make a statement or, or think a thought. Um, and so when people have got an increasing awareness of how congruent they're being, mm. they can actually start to think, wow, is this right for me? Should I be doing this? Was I right to have made that decision? Yeah. And they get their congruent signals. Does, does that make sense? Totally. I'm just wondering here then. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember it's a story I may have told before um, on my podcast. I'm not sure. But, but when yeah. in my last term at university, we had this yeah. dinner with our tutors after it was all over. We'd done the exams and stuff. We were all kind of, we all had our hair down. We were relaxing with our, with our tutors who'd previously been these kind of unapproachable teacher types. And um, we were talking yeah. about what we were going to do. And my favorite tutor, a guy called Peter Conrad said to me, he said, James, I just think you should just go out into the world and just be you should just go out and be James Dellingpole. Obviously, he, di he, didn't, he didn't say that to all his undergraduates because that would have made him a twat. I mean, he, he, he tailored that advice to me. He just thought that I was Only kind you of... could be James Dellingpole. The others would be poor substitutes. He thought, he thought that, but I think he also thought that, that... I think probably what he saw in me, having read my essays and got to know me quite closely over the, last, over the previous two years, was that I was really unsuited to any kind of job that would involve me um, sucking ass, <laughs> brown nosing, <laughs> whatever, whatever. I mean, I can sort of do it, but I've never been, it's never been really my thing. So in a way, training me to be congruent or encouraging my congruence has got to be well great for me. But what mm. about, so, so suppose a client comes to you and um, mm -hmm. they've got a, a mortgage and a, a wife mm -hmm. and a family to support. And they're probably quite unhappy. I mean, this probably applies to loads of people. They're probably quite unhappy in their jobs because mm -hmm. what they'd really mm -hmm. like to be is a, a, a cattle rancher in Argentina or stuff. Absolutely. Is it, res yeah. is it responsible for you to kind of mm -hmm. encourage them to... <laughs> fuck off and become a cattle rancher <laughs> in Argentina when when it's not just them but it's their family at stake and they may not even be a good cattle rancher do you do, do, yeah. do you see what I'm saying yeah, yeah. I, and I, I like the question because I check for congruence uh, as well as competence and confidence I'll explain what I mean by that if I may yeah. uh, if somebody comes to see me and they say I want you to make me completely confident that I can fly a light aircraft I want to check on the competence that goes with that confidence. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Otherwise, that can go badly wrong. Yeah. If they say, I want you to be completely confident that I can win the men's finals at Wimbledon, I'll check on their level, their rankings, their, the possibility of that happening. Mm. Uh, so I'm always looking to see uh, whether they, they have a matching response there. And it's easy to detect incongruence. Um, if, so if they say, well, yes, I'm completely confident, I'm thinking, well, I'm not entirely sure who you are. And then I'll ask for examples. Um, 
how would you demonstrate that to somebody who didn't know you and never met you and what experiences you had and so on? Um, and all the time, I'm looking for the congruence of the state that they're in. And, you know, earlier I mentioned about when people are incongruent, uh, they send out signals, uh, almost like a, a tell that a poker player would see. Right. Uh, it's like when somebody's lying, that you can see the sort of shiftiness around their character. And if this person came to me and, and said, I really want to be a, a rancher in California. Um, and Argentina. Excuse me? <laughs> Argentina, not California. Argentina. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's a wildly congruent. Yeah. 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 Unless they're an expert in inflation and civil unrest, that's probably not the, the best place for them to go. <laughs> right. So I'm saying, tell me about that. And I look for how much their state changes. If they come in like I'm stuck in it and I'm depressed and it's horrible, I hate my life and wake up you know, every day, you know, another brick in the wall. And I say, what would you like to do? And they go, I'd like to be a rancher in Argentina. Yeah? There, there's some congruence probably going on there. If they say, I'd like to be a rancher in Argentina, then I become a bit worried about the congruence of, of that utterance. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Now, obviously, you mm. can't talk about individual clients, but what do you find mm. are the most common problems people come to you with? Yeah, it, 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 it goes in patches of different bits and pieces. But generally, for on the psychotherapy and counselling side, I, I do lots and lots of work with really, really stuck people. People have been to see other counsellors or therapists and just haven't got the changes i i guess i get referred and get known for i don't know if i like the challenge or if my skill set enables me to do that so they'll come in and they'll present their own variety of depression or anxiety uh, or some phobia perhaps um, and on the other hand, I'll have people who are terrified of public speaking and they need to do it for their business or their promotion and the, the, the career advancement they're looking for. So yeah. I might easily find myself going through a month or two of being a, a coach in that. And I always ask myself, um, why is the universe sending me all, all these clients of this particular thing? Clients about relationships or aversions or success or happiness. Mm. Um, and after a while, I'll reflect, is this some secret message for me from the universe? Should I be paying attention to all the inquiries I'm getting? Um, um, I'll sit and reflect with colleagues. Um, I, I do a reflective practice session, peer um chats with um, uh, senior colleagues and occasionally I'll go do you know I've had a lot of people looking for this reason and I wonder is it anything to do with me and they'll cross-examine me and question me and look for my congruence in my response uh, yes well did, actually did, did you ever go through I mean were you ever sort of you're you, you're obviously well balanced now you have to be to kind of deal with kind of psychos and freaks uh, and, and and it yeah. sounds like you get you get the worst, so which is why you were sent. Presumably, it's why McKenna sent me to you. He just well, thought, this is a, sincerely hopes so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I listen. I'm. I think it's cool that I was considered one of the intractable ones that other people couldn't cure. Um, but yes. but yeah. were you ever were you ever messed up yourself, or, or if you were always been kind of yeah. like genial? Yeah, totally. And yeah, no, no. I I share this with clients that uh, I I grew up being innocent and happy and 
uh, quite a happy loner and whistling and singing and didn't really need other people very much. I was quite um, self-absorbed and I'm not sure if that counts me as a narcissist or uh, just really enjoying my, my life in an innocent way. Mm-hmm. I got a little bit bullied at school in my early teens, which I think is a common thing. It wasn't that serious or that long, uh, but uh, being quite sensitive, that made me introvert for a little while. And in my later teens, it's what set me off on this pathway of self-development and um, understanding and so on. In, in my mid-twenties, I, I was in a, an odd place, running a business in partnership with my wife and her parents, all living together, baby on the way, and I started getting pains in my chest. And I'm like, oh, I've done all that. So I was healthy-minded and positive, and I'd come from the school of when the going gets tough, the tough get going. So uh, I went to see my doctor and said, oh, I'm sorry to bother you. I think it might be something wrong with my heart. And he asked me a few questions, and I was having panicky feelings. I had to run out of restaurants and cinemas and stuff, and I didn't know why. And he said, no, no, no. He said, that's stress. Uh, I'd never, I said, stress, what's that? And it's, that's weakness, isn't it? And he said, no, no, it's, um, and he explained a little bit. And I said, well, okay, well, it's giving me anxiety. And as I understand now, what do I do? And he gave me these little triangular blue pills. And he said, take one a day for three weeks and then come back and see me. And I went back to see him after three weeks. And he said, how do you feel? I said, well, I've not been feeling anything, thank you. It's been wonderful. It's like I've been having my head inside a bucket full of cotton wool. It's uh, thanks for the respite. What do we do now? And he said, no, that, that's it. That's it. That, that's that. <laughs> <laughs> and I was a bit more outspoken. Well, perhaps I'm more outspoken now, but uh, less polished then. And I said, you don't know what you're <clears throat> flipping doing. Um, and uh, I'm... I set off on a journey of discovery to find out what was going on with stress and anxiety. I tried depression for about a month, uh, years later, but I was rubbish here. I just, I couldn't do it. I, I just, um, too much stimulation to be had in other directions. I couldn't internalize properly. Um, and, and so after two or three years, I found some stuff that started to teach me about m- my condition. And it's been a great joy to not have only found out how to do that, but I suppose to become something of an expert, and I'm cautious to use the word, in helping people understand their own particular version of anxiety, depression, phobias, and, and whatever. Yeah. And for me, that falls under the description of the wounded healer, which I often hear people offering. Uh, and people quite say to me, what's it like to be as magnificently wonderful as you are and always perfectly in balance? And yeah. I said, you want to talk to my family, talk to my other half or my kids, and you'll discover that I've got the full range of human emotions. I, I just can't sustain the negative ones for very long. That's very good. I, now, I wanted to ask you, um, before we go on, there are going to be some people here, and I think I would have been one of them uh, in the past, who listen to stuff, like concepts like those very letters, NLP, and they think, mm-hmm. this is dark arts, this is very dodgy, uh, don't like this stuff, what the hell is James doing talking to this, this weird... You can do that. You can drink your, your stuff. But it does... It, it, NLP has got a has got a bad mm. rap, hasn't it? Not least, I think, because yeah. I get this on Twitter a lot. People say to me, uh, politicians use NLP techniques a yes. lot, yeah. and yeah. and you're using them a bit in and the, in the, in the 
when, when, when oh, you yeah, start, people say you're giving me happy yeah. signals to make me feel to control me in your evil way. But you yeah, know what I'm I saying? I, it, I it, has, it has got a reputation, hasn't it? Definitely, definitely. And I, I cheerfully acknowledge that because it's true. Um, it, it gained some great traction in the speed seduction community uh, 10, 15 years ago. What's um, that delight? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so the, the guy who wrote the, the book, The Game, um, yeah. had a fair bit to say about how he learned NLP techniques to discombobulate attractive young ladies with low self-esteem so he could sleep with them. And he, he did that really, really well. Um, so um, I, I liken it to electricity. The electricity has got no morals or values or conscience, and you can use it to light hospitals and nurseries or torture chambers, um, although that might be pleasing for some people. You know? So uh, I, I say NLP is not a thing. It's a way of doing things. Right. Can, 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 can you me, give me... Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. For me, NLP is all about modeling it's about looking for behaviors you want to replicate and if somebody has got a way as a politician of using their hands and their tonality a lot then you might think that they've learned that from somebody else who was naturally congruent so people can appear congruent by their tonality and their gestures for, for me it's sort of integrated because i've been doing it for so long um, but it's it's very close to being the best version of myself and putting things in the best way that anybody could. It, does that make sense? Well, it does. I mean, that's the that's the sort of positive version of of NLP. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I suppose people are suspicious of it because they think that some kind of trick is being paid mm -hmm. that it that it bait, played, that it bait natural. Mm -hmm. do, mm -hmm. do, do you think? Yeah, I think so. And uh, often I'll be doing work on relationships, uh, which has been a major feature of my conversations during lockdown. Oh, has um, it? Uh, I'm off, absolutely. Oh, tell me. I, no, I so, said, so have lots of lots of yeah, been breaking down. Yeah, I, I may have said to you before that uh, I typically always work one day between Christmas and New Year. Not because I particularly want to, it's nice to have a bit of time off um, and you know, change gears and refocus and, and so on. But I want to be available because you probably know this, uh, the, the number of domestic murders increases rapidly over bank holiday weekends and Christmas and so on. You know? So uh, whenever people are confined together unnaturally, they don't have the resources uh, i mean obviously i'm a special case my other half and i've she was furloughed right from the very beginning we're having a delightful time together we're respecting each other's space and things that we're doing she's done all the uh, cpd she can do for her job and um watch everything on uh, can i say netflix and amazon prime and Very sky nice. um, yeah yeah so, like, yeah um, so it's, a, it's a free so often, it's a free podcast Oh, fantastic. Thank you. I'm just, just checking. I'm not very experienced in what I should and shouldn't say. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you probably notice I'm moderating my language compared to the uh, vulgarity and profanity I'd usually offer. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I've forgotten you swore, actually. Maybe I didn't notice. Yeah. notice. I try not to swear too much because I know that there are some, some people listen to the podcast with their kids, mm -hmm. which is really yeah, good. Because they're basically, they're, they're red-pilling their, their young, early teenagers and they're, sometimes they're 11 yeah. or 12-year-olds it's really good yeah i'm so happy to do that yeah 
Sorry, carry on. So the relationship stuff that I hear is when people are unnaturally confined with their partners and they, they've made the old mistake of having an expectation that they haven't expressed and got agreement to. Um, they, they might expect their partner to be really happy to spend 93% of their time with them. And it might be their partner never agreed to that, that they, they can only manage one day a week uh, or two days a week if it's a long weekend. Yeah. So what happens is that you get an unexpressed expectation uh, and, and then because that's not actually met, that's followed by disappointment. And you need to prepare for disappointment. You need to expect things and not share that expectation with people. Uh, and that leads to resentment and loads of other things. Uh, so how do you get the most favorite? Yeah, uh, that for me, it, it's about expressing your expectations, which you need to be fairly confident in yourself to be able to do that. Because people might go, no, I'm not doing that. I don't want to spend 93% of my time with you. Um, I'll put you down for Saturdays. How would that be? The rest of the time, I'll be Skyping with my girlfriends or uh, with my mates, or um, I'll be standing in the garden shouting at my neighbours. Uh, but I, I didn't get a relationship with you so that I could spend all my time with you. And it's, and that's what I got a job for. You know? See, so you uh, get them to express that, and that makes yeah, it better. Yeah, very much. Um, no. Sometimes they express it, and their partner says, I don't agree. I never agree to that. I thought you knew that because um, there's this illusion that we know each other when we're in a relationship that we know the other person is exact like us and they want what we want and they think as we do but the reality is we're all wildly different to each other as human beings well especially if they're not yeah totally. i mean yeah, there's, there's another no way that we think the same way as them they're, they're, no, you know. no. men are from mars women are from venus and I've got lots of experience of that being true for me. Yeah. Um, Actually, yeah. yeah how does so, the sex balance split down your your clients? Um, do you deal with more loopy men or more loopy women? I, I, I breathed in sharply. I thought for a moment you was going to say, "How's my sex life?" I've been in lockdown. I'm, I'm not, not entirely sure. I was. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i'm unusual in having a, an equal balance of gender between male and female uh, most counselors and therapists i think see almost exclusively females 70 80 percent i don't know what it is yeah don't know what it is maybe it's the way i present myself and it attracts that um so if i'm dealing with a female client who is complaining about her partner not being what she'd expected, um, women will come in and they'll say, he's, he's boring, he's dull. And I say, okay, what do you want? And, and she'll say, I want him to be spontaneous. Yeah. Sometimes he'll be there, he'll be dragged in and like a confused puppy, he doesn't know what he's done wrong. And I'll say, well, um, what do you mean you want him to? And she says, I want him to do things that he knows will please me. He knows what I'm thinking. He knows. I say, you don't want him to be spontaneous. Uh, that would be dangerous because he might go off and do wildly irrational things. That You want him to be obedient to the stuff that you expect without you ever having to suggest that. And they say, yes, I do. 
And I say, how's that expectation working out for you? <laughs> yeah. So, so you call them on it, basically. Yeah, totally. Yeah, mm -hmm. because they have an unexpressed expectation, which will always lead to disappointment unless it's agreed to, and then resentment. And they start to resent them when they notice after a, a period of time together that they're they're not magically doing everything they did that they did in the early days, and that's what led to the expectations so are you so, showing are you showing them the unrealistic nature of their expectations and making them kind of uh, see themselves better pretty much yeah yeah I, i'm saying it might be realistic but where's your evidence for that um ha, has this person got a track record of behaving in the way that you hope for yeah. right so then i was and this loops back to what we were saying earlier i, I see you, you can train your bloke to do this and they'll go, well, I don't want him to. I want him to do it naturally, and then it's authentic. And I get, yeah, I understand it completely, but the likelihood of him behaving spontaneously and authentically in a way that you haven't yet told him, um, do you play the lottery? You probably stand more chance of winning the lottery than that happening. Uh, and they say, well, I, I don't like that. I say, well, I, I can show you using NLP, a style of manipulation that will make you both happier. Uh, and I absolutely label it manipulation and because I want them to know that in order to use their emotional intelligence to influence their less emotionally intelligent male partner, it's going to need some manipulation. And they go, well, it's not right to manipulate people. I go, well, will he be happier if he gets it right more often? And they go, yeah. I go, well, you'd be happy if he gets it right more often. And they go, yeah. I say, well, let's manipulate him into doing that because you're you're the judge of how right he's being. Okay, so what are the, so, so just give me a few a few brief tricks that, yeah. people, that so women can I, try. I say, uh, what is it that men want? Uh, and and they they give me a variety of answers, and I go, nope. Um, the chief thing, and you can see this in the book Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Well, it's a hard read. There's a lot of stuff in there, but what men most want is they want to be right. And women say, I try to make him right because I don't want him getting big headed. And I go, no, 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 you've got to be um, giving out, out samples of your approval to him so he gets encouraged to seek your approval. So I get them to catch him doing things right. And this is why I label it manipulation, because once their partner has become addicted to their approval, which has probably been lacking for a good period of time, they've stopped being right for a long time, they've been wrong comprehensively, yeah. then I'll say, what you need to do now is, stage two is to start talking about the behaviour you want as though it's already happening in an approving tone. And they go, what do you mean? I say, well, if he's, um, if he's mean, you might say to him, the thing I love about you, or I say to my girlfriends, they're both winning lines, is that even though, and then you give his negative mindset, even though money's tight and you don't know the future, you have to look after the security of the family and enough money for your motorbikes and cars. And No, I'm joking about that. Don't mention stuff that's negative. But even though, what I really love about you is that you're secretly a very generous individual. <laughs> <laughs> okay and, and the bloke will go, yes i am yeah mm -hmm. yeah totally god yeah. we are we are yeah. so basic aren't we we, we blokes yeah okay. completely completely so and occasionally i'll get sorry i'm getting excited here. No, no. I, occasionally i'll get a bloke come and see me and they'll go i can't get anything right and i'll say 
what is it that women want? What what do women really, really, really want? And it will go, I don't know, I can't say what I said. Look, women want to, uh, and again, this is a huge generalization, but I find it's true a lot. Women want to be loved and adored by their partner and considered to be the most important female person in the world to their male partner. And I, I've had lots and lots of females nod profoundly when I say that. Yeah. Uh, nobody's challenged that. Nobody said, I don't want that at all. Yeah. And I say, what is it that you are doing in your relationship that makes her feel adored and precious and the most in? He's like, no, I did that when we first met. I'll, I'll do that before I die, but I don't need to do it in between and all that love and romance and being nice and being considerate yeah. and listening to them and don't need to do it. I said, oh, okay, how's that working out for you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a cunning one. They at me often. Yeah, yeah. They call me rude names at that point. Yeah, that's really good. Okay, can, can I continue? Or is this yes, no, you, my no, 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 no. Yeah, come on. So if I'm working with a couple together, which happens five, ten percent of the time, yeah. I'll say to her, "What would he have to do so that you know that he loves you and adores you?" And I say to him, "Pay close attention. This is a million-dollar secret here." And she'll say, the ridiculous example I use, she'll say he's got to buy me a cauliflower on a string one day a month. And the blimps that go, cauliflower on a string, that's ridiculous, I'll never do that. How does that mean that uh, I love you? They don't get any results or any change. The blimps who lean forward and go, hmm, what kind of cauliflower? How long should the string be? Which day of the month? The ones who get fine detailed definition. Yeah. yeah. For example, in the mornings, if I'm up before my other half and it's my turn to make the toast, I'll say, would you like white bread or brown bread or crumpets today? She'll go, oh, I'll have white bread today. And I go, one or two slices. And she'll go, oh, two today. And I go, how thick would you like the butter? Because it does vary, honestly. She's a, a woman of many different tastes. And then I'll say, would you like uh, jam, nice strawberry jam, or would you like marmalade or marmite? Um, now, you might think that that's too many flipping questions for toast. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. What it conveys to her is that I'm absolutely interested in getting it right the very best that I can. Does that make sense? You've made it all sound like too easy now. I mean, people. Oh, bless you. Well, I can make it easier if you want. Um, yeah, go on then. Yeah, go on. She, I, I was off to Waitrose recently, and I said, "Do you want anything while I'm there?" And and she said, "Yeah, guess a couple of nice cucumbers." Now I'm a very literal person. I wasn't just going to get any old cucumbers, and, and I'm a hunter. I think a lot of men have got the uh, the hunter uh, bit in there, and. I, I looked at the organic ones in Waitrose and they didn't look as nice as the ones not labelled organic, although I guess they're all organic by nature. There weren't any metallic sheen cucumbers there. Sorry, joke to myself. Um, and I picked up two really nice ones, took them home, and in true hunter style, I went into the cave, I flung these cucumbers on the cave floor and I said, man, kill cucumbers, man strong, man get good woman, yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I, that was inside my head. I said, I'll get you a couple of nice cucumbers from Waitrose. And she looked at them. She said, they look really nice. And hmm, now I'm right. I've got it correct. So I said, you're right. 
And she said, thank you for that. Did you spend a long time looking? I said, yeah, I did actually. And I told her the story of my exploits to make her feel valued. And because it was true and I could be congruent in my expression of that. And later I got a reward. As she was eating the cucumber, she said, these are the best cucumbers I've ever tasted. Like, hmm, man make fire, man kill cucumbers. And <laughs> right, okay, okay. Does that make any sense at all? That's, that, that's really good. Okay, so we've dealt with relationships. I mean, that's going to be very helpful yes. to lots of people yes. in the lockdown. I I, what, what, are the, what are the other ones? Do you think depression or...? or... Yeah, I think so. And, and if people go to my website, um, yeah. uh, which I you can advertise, you, you say yes. If that's okay, yeah, yeah. It, it's they, they can just look for my name. Just Google Steve Witchett, W I C H E T T, hmm. and that will get a number of hits. Google quite likes me. Uh, or they can go to the website. It's a long title. It's NLP Change Works. NLP for Neuro Linguistic Programming. I call my my company that because NLP change works. Right. And yeah. if they go there and they look on the resources section, I put loads of free stuff on there. There's links to videos and books and that. I've got a few sets of tips and I do a one page tip sheet. Um, I, I've got my, a depression tip sheet, which has got some really nice stuff on there for people who are exploring depressive behaviors uh i'm not a psychiatrist i'm not a psychologist so i can't diagnose people as having depressive according to dsm5 tick list criteria mm. um but i can say to people rather than me giving you an unhelpful label you are a depressive or you are depressed i say you might just be doing depressed behaviors you might be behaving in a way that people who feel depressed sometimes do and that mm. takes it out of the identity into the behavior because changing a whole person is quite difficult but uh, so uh, i call it um tongue-in-cheeks steve seven secrets for dealing with depression um, yeah. and, and then i get them to look at how they're sustaining the negative thoughts and feelings that tend to go along with that the stuff they're saying to themselves whether they're sharing this with anybody else most people don't the language that they're using to themselves my life is terrible it's always going to like marvin the paranoid android here am i with a brain the size of a planet baking tea and people are really good at dismissing all the lovely stuff about themselves they often slump down in the chairs they fold up they find a favorite place to assume that position a chair or a bed or a corner room and they start to run almost mantra meditation negative i'm no good my life is a failure my life won't be nothing will happen for me and i say look could you in the tips i say could you sit up straight please and uh, adopt the tone of voice you'd use to talk to a friend because a lot of people's internal dialogue is really crappy tonality it would depress anybody listening to that mm. so i say how would you talk to a, a friend a, a teenager or a child that needed encouraging um you can hear that in my tonality that that shifts because i it feels good when i say that and then the moment they think about adopting that the part of their brain that reinforces their stuckness actually says well i could do that but 
and they start to yes but and what if me and I think ah that's it that's how you've kept yourself stuck in this thing you're objecting to the change you're dismissing it you're diminishing it uh, you're making it irrelevant to you you're undermining it you're overwhelming yourself with stuff that is a familiar habit um, and, and I, I do something corny at the end of my tips I, I say have a little smile Dr. Richard Bandler told me that the on the brain cortex, the motor cortex, the muscles that are attached to the corners of the mouth. I believe this to be true. I've never known him to say that. That's it. Yeah. Uh, when, when you smile, it actually activates the bit of the brain that's next to the serotonin gland. So you're literally squirting serotonin into your, your brain. Serotonin is the feel-good happy chemical. So people actually cheer up for a second when they smile. Yeah. Right. It's like that, that whole thing about it takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown. And I like to say it takes even less muscles to punch in the mouth anybody who says that to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's so so that's one tip. Uh, yeah. So it, really, I would say the top thing, and I, I cunningly wove all of my tips into my, my chat there, but I'll do them in order. Top thing is talk to somebody else. Don't sit and stew. Uh, and it's all listed out on the, on the tip sheet. People okay. can download it for free. Uh, but actually share it rather than uh, sustaining it in isolation. And listen to how you're talking to other people the language that you use, what self-limiting patterns of language are in your thoughts and your utterances to other people. And then notice the way that you're sitting. Notice where it is that you do the depression mainly. Notice how you are. Most people can't be depressed when they sit up straight and they're erect and their body language is open. So I'll then check what tone of voice are they using, like I did with Marvin, the paranoid android. If they go, my life is terrible, there's no hope for me, in a downbeat, mournful tone, I say, even if it's silly, just try saying that in a cartoon character's voice. My life is miserable, I'm so unhappy, there's no... And it will change the impact of that for you considerably. Um, most people don't do depression when they're out in a Zumba class. Most people don't do depression when they're walking in nature or when they're skipping or gardening. Most people sit somewhere and implode on themselves. So I say, get out of here, get out and do something, become active, because that seems to activate a different set of responses within the body. And then when you start to change, when you think about things you could do, next tip, watch out for the yes but. Uh, I want to be happy, but I've been depressed for a long, long time. I say, well, that's true. You've been depressed for a long time, but you want to be happy. So I cunningly switch it round so they're left with the clean end of the stick rather than the, the other end. It yes. seems to orient the brain in the direction of change and happiness. And then finally, that nice little smile thing that uh, we did there. Uh, Paul McKenna, and I did this with a room full of chartered accountants once, Paul McKenna says you can change people's state if their chartered accountants just mention the word role play and their changeable state rapidly, they don't like it. But he, Paul McKenna would say, you people aren't happy enough. He, he would say, I want you to give me your, your best smile, your biggest smile, and a room full of people go like that. 
we go, oh my goodness, there's a room full of serial killer smiles there. And really open it up, think of something happy and smile. And of course, that would produce endorphin changes within people. I've had anxious and depressed clients, so I train to laugh like a pirate. A big belly laugh will raise endorphins, so a big smile. <laughs> and I've had partners of these clients say to me, that's mad. That's a crazy thing to do, but they're staked and half change when they laugh like a pirate. Okay, that's, a, that's very helpful. Laugh like a pirate. Okay. Have you, yeah. just, just the thought occurred to me earlier, have you ever had yeah. clients who are psychopaths? Um, no, I don't think so. I've had a couple of psychotic clients over the years who have trouble distinguishing their reality from shared reality, but right. that's easy to, to work with. Uh, for me, a psychopath is somebody who has no moral filter yes. and no obedience to law and common decency and just wants to hurt people. They're, they're evilly motivated. Yeah. So I've never had anybody uh, I can identify as, as that. Maybe they, maybe they wouldn't come and see you. Maybe almost by definition, yeah. they would not. Yeah. I, I think they might get a clue about my solution-focused approach and my positivity and they might think, no, they might be a good therapist buster, but this one can't necessarily be busted. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, one of the things I've I've, I've learned, I, I don't think I ever ever would have committed suicide, but mm -hmm. I think a lot of depressed people do toy with the idea that it's it, it's much easier to end it all, mm -hmm. um, to cease yeah. upon the midnight yeah. with no pain or whatever um yeah what do you what, what's the answer to that well I, I say to people it's a natural thought for most adults and for some children to think of the peace that they would get from ending their lives most people tend not to dwell on it it will cross their minds or they'll see it in a film or they'll have a moment of angst or something and most people don't put enough effort into it um, some people, if they're depressed, spend a long time dwelling upon, they call it suicidal ideation. So people can do that. But I, I quote um, Richard Bandler, uh, and, and I say, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary time of difficulty. And they go, yes. ah, yes. And then I, I um, use more as material. I, I say, if you believe in the afterlife, you do get reincarnated even after suicide. You have to stand in line for thousands and thousands of years. Do you like queuing up in the bank or supermarkets? And they go, no. So, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, if it's a temporary thought and they, they really want to say it to me because they're dead worried that they've got these thoughts and tendencies, Sometimes uh, I'll say to them uh, as a way of helping dissuade them if they said they want to be dissuaded, uh, either explicitly or implicitly, then I'll say, okay, you've thought about killing yourself. Who would you like to find your body? And they immediately think about the very worst person that could find. Now, you need to be careful how you use that. Uh, it's only safe to be that provocative when you, you know you can handle the client. Um, and then I'll talk about how serious their suicidal thoughts are. Have they made any preparations? Have they written farewell letters? Have they got the means and method? And I'll cheerfully discuss how unpleasant some methods of suicide can be. If 
they're seeking to be uh, talked out of their their dark thoughts uh, you know what what could possibly go wrong with that suicide method and so on uh, oh, that's interesting so that works does it that, that... Yeah. oh absolutely yeah um a, a friend of mine used to say um to them when they said i'm thinking of being suicidal he used to say can i have your stereo uh, and they go, no, I spent years building that, I'm not giving it away. And he goes, so you're not done with it yet. Yeah. So, uh, or can I have your car then? Could you give me your car keys today? Yeah. Now again, you need to be careful when you use that kind of provocative thing. Um, so although I don't work a great deal with suicidal clients, it definitely comes up in conversations. Yeah. Um, after we've got some good changes, people go, yeah, but I've had this worrying thought. And they go, no, that's perfectly normal. And, reassure them but if they made preparation and plans and they got the method and they're all ready to go then i say i think you should go and have a chat with your doctor get a referral uh, perhaps a psychiatrist might be necessary uh, maybe phone mind or the samaritans they're both brilliant organizations that know just how to support and be there for people who've got those kinds of concerns yep interesting now actually what you say about um transitory pro problems um is, mm. is very true isn't it i mean i can't remember when it was i first came to see you but whatever whatever problems i was discussing with you at the time they're not the problems mm. i've got now they're completely different absolutely yeah. and, and replaced by bigger and better ones or <laughs> well, well you know i i yeah it's um i, mean, I don't want to go into too much detail but but um i think that when times are really bad it, you can kind of try and commit mini suicide by um upping the level of things that are bad for you like for example you might smoke a lot more absolutely or, or, yeah. you, or yeah. you might take more risks and mm -hmm. definitely what what my message to myself when i went through those stages would be hang on a second mate if you completely ruin yourself now and you ruin your health you're not going to be in a very good state to enjoy life when when things get better because they will exactly yeah yeah and, and i heard this beautiful phrase many years ago that's a great thing that carries a lot of people through difficult times yeah. the phrase is this too shall pass this too shall pass so whatever difficulty you're in it might be replaced by a, a bigger and brassier difficulty life might be fantastic mm. but I, I think that the more we focus on what we want or what we don't want the more we get what we want or what we don't want yeah you literally get more of what you focus on so <clears throat> focusing on it passing and being completely optimistic about good times ahead is a brilliant way to navigate there yes you see again it sounds like it all sounds slightly dodgy doesn't it it sounds like um too slick and easy well yeah voodoo magic it sounds like yeah, yeah. if you want be the change yeah. you want to be i suppose these, these yeah and, yeah and yet i mean isn't isn't part of the theory of nlp is that I remember the first time I came to see you and I, with my kind of depressive thoughts and my anxiety thoughts, and you talked about, I think, rabbits running through the grass and wearing out <laughs> all these, these bunny rabbit tracks, like these grooves. Uh, and, they, uh -huh, uh -huh. And, and you 
it is within your power, especially if you, you're creative like me, um, mm. that you use your imagination to flatten those bunny rabbit or replace those bunny rabbit paths with yeah. different ones. And you can do yeah. that. I mean, it's like you make up make up good stuff. Uh, it's just a question of content. Uh, yeah. Change the channel on the TV to one that's got nice programs on it. Yeah. And, and, and to the person who's, sit, who's sitting there thinking, oh, God, he's such a wanker. I can't stand it. <laughs> you know, he's just, what, what, what do you say to them? The, the, how, yeah. uh, just occasionally, uh, when a client comes in, rather than when I making um, a drink or a tea or a coffee or, or you know the little bit of ice break a few minutes yeah. at the beginning uh, occasionally um uh, instead of saying to them how have you been or telling them how magnificent my life is i'll go i got soaked at the bus stop this morning and the bus was completely missed don't you hate it and and they brighten up considerably and i remind myself that i, I have to be in rapport with people to help them change if i'm mismatching my state and my life and my attitude with theirs we're never going to get there so i i sort of dumb it down a little bit until we can get rapport and then i start to lead them in in the direction uh, towards the light side of the false that's true i can see that i can see that that people might find your kind of upness kind of irritating. insult irritating yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah completely. like and, and also they might consider it to be unreal they might think okay yes. he's got these this smiley manner and he's he's, he's all positive and nodding and stuff but actually underneath he's is really yeah i'm checking inside now i feel terrible thank you <laughs> well, well good i i'm glad i finally talked you talked you down from your cloud <laughs> That's yeah. I, I say I have an, an unreasonable belief that I can have an abundant lifestyle and I, I say it's just a workable fantasy I've got no real evidence but mm. it feels great believing that so I, I dismiss it whilst proclaiming it if that makes sense yeah no I, I, that does make sense have we so we've done marital relations we've done don't kill yeah. yourself we've done depression have we missed out any other key kind of things yeah bits of anxiety and bits of confidence uh, i can talk about those Tell me that. if you would uh, yeah yeah what, what's your what's your your poison of choice um well, that's probably a negative way of describing it do you want to go for anxiety or, oh, or confidence? <laughs> i thought you're talking about my my, my drug habits <laughs> oh no <laughs> <laughs> sorry yeah no i do do you want to go something or towards something um i certainly i get anxiety sometimes so so to talk about anxiety okay I, I, people say to me i bet you never get anxious steve and i go I flipping do not very often but anxiety is a natural thing when we're going outside our own comfort zone mm. uh, and i uh, occasionally will talk about my own anxiety experiences in in a, the same way that i did earlier so they know that i'm not some immortal person uh, who's never suffered this and, you don't know then, that you don't know you're not immortal uh no no not yet no. yeah <laughs> i might be in this life or, or another uh, and then I, i'll say to them look 
when I, when I came to write my anxiety tips list, which is freely available from my website, the nine essential ingredients for anxiety, I thought, because I've got this and I regard myself as special and talented, I thought I'm not going to talk about people being broken or messed up or weak or inadequate. I'm going to say that you need some very special qualities in order to do anxiety really properly. So uh, not many dull people are able to do anxiety really well. Um, and I say it because it's the mindset I'm coming from. Uh, and also the, the first thing you need is a bright and active mind. I think we can both agree, James, you've got a bright and active mind. Yeah? The next thing you need is a good imagination. Because unless you can imagine things, you can't be anxious about stuff unless you can see it and experience it and feel it. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. So people are like, yeah, okay. That's oh, it. Then you need to. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're doubly special. Uh, and then the third thing I look for is, have you got the kind of mind that needs constant stimulation? Because if you don't feed your mind good stuff, it will go looking for bad stuff. I, I do solitaire and crossword puzzles and Sudoku just to give myself the challenge. And I, I take on big projects and research and stuff to give myself the stimulation. A lot of the time, people need that stimulation, but they, they find the negative stuff more stimulating than the positive stuff. And I go, well, you've got yeah. to amp up the, yeah, amp up the rule to the positive. Um, that is so true. Bit, yeah. Uh, number four, I talk a little bit about the frontal cortex and the ability to see into the future. Ironically, anxious people are very good at seeing into the future for other people. They only need to hear about one um, new relationship of a friend or a relative or a colleague or one new job or one new place. And their brain is set up and they hear one more thing. They go, I know exactly where that's going to go. And they're right enormous amounts of the time. Ironically, it, it, it's a blind spot for people who are good at anxiety. That Almost all of the negative, anxious thoughts they've had about themselves turn out to be wrong. So they're worrying themselves unnecessarily and because anxious people, me included, are good at telling other people how they think things are going to go. It makes them brilliant advisors and friends and therapists and uh, very insightful. They forget that almost all the stuff that they threatened in or imagined happening to themselves never turned out. And I generally say, do you mind being wrong? Because you've been wrong a lot about the things you worried about. They go, I hate you, Steve. And, yeah. So how, how come um, that they're right about other people, but not about themselves? I, I don't have a good explanation. I'm, I've been researching it for about seven or eight years uh, and reading about it and studying it and posing the question. I, I think it's something to do with our subjective sense of self and, and the, the frontal over the brain that's really good at looking into the future and behaviours and stuff. I, I think for people with a good imagination, a bright and active mind, a need for stimulation, that somehow makes a cocktail of thinking or thinking styles that prevents people right. from realising that the stuff they're dreading is never going to happen. Right. Yeah, that's my best explanation so far. But I'm interested. If anybody knows, I'd, I'd love to know. Mm -hmm. If anybody's got an answer I haven't come across yet or one they've generated, often people need some kind of trauma or illness this is point number six to have a proper start to anxiety 
uh, they might be going along through the lines. I work with a few people who've never had an anxious thought in their lives until they had some massive stress and change of health or change at work, and their brain started protecting them by bringing on, wouldn't it be terrible if this happened, and making them worry about things. Uh, And the final thing is you need a good proximity sensor. Uh, I say if you're scared of flying and your next flight is five years' time, and it's in an airport and you've got nowhere getting to, people won't worry. But if it's tomorrow or in 10 minutes and you're in the departure lounge, the proximity sensor says to the brain, take this seriously. You, you must now worry about this because it's real. It's immediate, if that makes yeah. sense. So the, the further away it is in imagination, just the way we, we can think about it differently, we can literally push it away uh, and it doesn't seem so impactful. Oh, don't worry about that. That will take care of itself and, and stuff. Yeah. Which it which it normally uh, does. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And finally, on the end of my tips, I, I've got instructions, very tongue in cheek, for how to take anxiety to such an exquisite level. You can become a master in doing panic attacks, and most people don't. Uh, I, I haven't yet had a client who's able to do panic attacks after session one. Um, once I point out what they're doing. Um, and, and properly anxious people can get to seven or eight out of ten. For me, an anxiety attack is eight or nine or ten out of ten. That's what I was doing when I was 25 years old and running out of restaurants and cinemas. And anxiety, got to get out of here, can't stay here, and so on. So proper anxiety. But I say to people, these are the two things you need to do to have a proper full-on panic attack. And please don't do it. Um, Just think about not doing it. I'm joking. But uh, step number one, you need to imagine the worst thing that could happen. The worst social embarrassment or disaster or fainting or falling over or vomiting or what's the, the dreadful thing. And then having imagined that very vividly, the last step, is you need to behave completely normally and suppress it and look like the swan gliding along the surface of the lake. And those two things together, imagining one thing but trying to be another, set up a feedback loop in the brain. Uh, And it's like putting the microphone close to the loudspeaker uh, and and the brain just goes, boom, panic, don't know what to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's some stuff about anxiety. What else can I tell you about anxiety? Mm, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, right this second, I yeah. I, well, I, I, I mean, this always when I speak to you anyway, it always makes me kind of relaxed and happy. So it's so it's. But, oh, me too. That's why I do it. Yeah, I'll send you some money. But <laughs> but, but but sometimes, um, you know, I mean, I I've definitely gone through weird shit problems in this lockdown where i have kind of kind of need to steve on my on my shoulder but i have used some of your some of your tricks um excellent what yeah i'll tell you what's been bothering me recently um i think i think that um where i live even though they're quite a long way in the distance there are some enormous wind turbines this could just be my personal obsessions i hate wind turbines anyway but i think but i think they are producing low frequency noise which can travel over very long distances we're talking 10 miles Mm. or more Mm. and Mm. on certain days they Mm -hmm. they drive me kind of 
yeah quite delally and I, and and so mm. it's quite difficult because i can't i can't move house i can't just up sticks and say well look you know what who's to know well i might move to a different area where there's similar problems so i have to find a way of of dealing with this massive intrusion into my life into my my world mm. and into my brain my head apart from anything else uh so you have to kind of distract yourself with with thoughts that get you around it don't you and yes one of the tricks i use is that trick you where you imagine that there's light coming into the top of your head and sort of nice. cleaning out your brain and I, I imagine that sort of purifying i mean this sounds like a bollocks but it but it but it works mm cleaning out yeah, all the nasty yeah. stuff and then you get different colors yeah. i mean these are mm -hmm. these are kind of cheap tricks but they work don't they isn't it beautiful yeah um you see people can use the power of their mind the focus of their imagination to make themselves feel bad mm. <clears throat> accidentally or habitually or use it to make themselves feel good yeah. which is the, the stuff that I've learned and the stuff I share with other people mm. and once you know how to suggest that to people to get them to experiment with it it becomes quite addictive people think oh I can choose to feel good for no good reason yeah uh, yeah and says how, how good can you feel for no good reason what's the most amount of pleasure you could stand in your life mm. <laughs> that's good that lovely? Yeah. I tell you what yeah. I, since I the thing that's made me happiest apart from you know, you know nice things like family and and stuff i mean that, that's that's important too and friends um the things that made me really happy is this thing that i'm doing now um you know not just this podcast but all the all the podcasts i've been doing <laughs> I, I've, I've, I I've, fully understand that. i've got a i've got a i've got a patreon if you know what a patreon is um a, a, a patreon is like where you get people to sponsor your work and oh, right. okay. so, so obviously i can't just go look i'm bloody great me james delincoll you know you love me give me some josh I mean, it doesn't it doesn't quite really, <laughs> you, you could do that and give it a go but 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 yeah the podcast is is really popular i think it's one of the best one of the best things i i do i just i just enjoy enjoy doing it and i can just totally what i like about it is i can be congruent i can be totally myself and i'm not mm -hmm. answerable to anybody I don't know why I've got mm -hmm. this thing, Steve. I where it where it comes from because I mean I was I was head of house. At, I mean, okay, admittedly by default I stayed on to do the Oxbridge term, but I was I was you know I was I was a prefect at least. I, you know I'm not a total rebel. I'm not I, I'm not one, mm -hmm. one of the really bad boys, but somehow I've always hated um, people. I think what it comes down to is people I consider slightly less talented than me um <laughs> telling me what what to do which obviously is most people i and i i'll give you yeah. give you an example of, of somebody who's good one of the best editors i ever worked mm -hmm. to ever ever worked mm -hmm. to was sarah vine do you know who sarah vine is uh, indeed, indeed sarah vine yeah. michael yeah. michael gove's wife obviously that's not how she defines herself but you know a brilliant columnist <laughs> in, in her own right but she was she was my editor on the mm -hmm. on the times um, she was running the art section for a time and i worked she commissioned me to do stuff and sometimes mm -hmm. she gave me commissions which i you know i'm not sure i want to do this 
piece. And she said, yeah, you know, you, you can do it. You'll be brilliant. You'll be absolutely fantastic. And whatever, it's almost like she'd, she'd had sessions with you. She hasn't, I don't think. But, but um, she, she made me feel that what I did was really, really good. And I could, I could just be entirely myself. And the more me I was, the better it was. And mm. I've never had a better editor. I've had so many editors who, who, who try and impose their kind of crappy value judgments and their idea of how things, and the problem is they're not as good as you. That, mm. you know, I mean, I, mm. I'm kind of about, I'm a, I think I'm pretty much at the top of my game. You know, it, it hasn't been reflected in my salary never, uh, necessarily, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at the shit I do. And mm. finally, this, my Patreon thing, um, has enabled me to gather this, I call it Cafe Delingpole, to gather mm. a bunch of, a sort of clientele, if you like, a bit like your clientele, who, who find what you do very helpful and they, and they pay you for it. People like me like the shit I do and I feel mm -hmm. totally liberated and this is where I'm gonna go with my life. Yeah. It, it, it's like I finally achieved the congruence that I haven't, been, you know, and, I, and I, I guess I have the internet to thank for that. Um, mm -hmm. because obviously in the old days when there were barriers to entry, I mean, you know, if, if, if you didn't own the printing presses and the newspaper, you, you were kind of limited as to what, yeah, I suppose you could print pamphlets like they did in, you know, during the civil mm -hmm. war, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's been very liberating yeah. and, and which is why I, I started off with that question about Congress. But I, I do think it's the key yeah. to, to happiness. It's, it's so, like being happy in your skin. How did you start getting a, a, a Patreon or Patreons? I'm, I'm not familiar with the word. What, what's the mechanics of setting that up? There were various American sites. One of them's called Patreon. One of them's called Subscribestar. And they tend to be used by creatives to, to monetize what they do uh, in a world oh. where, for example, I mean, look, 10 years ago, I used to think, I've almost reached the stage where um, of my career where people know I'm good enough now to give me that column on the Sunday Times and it's going to be a James Delingpole mm -hmm. column and it's going to be, you, yeah. I, I get paid a fuck ton of money. I mean, you used to do that. You used, it used to happen. Excellent. And it never came. And I used to feel quite sort of resentful about this. You know, no, what, what, why, why has that person got it? Not, you know. I don't care about that because I don't want the goodwill of those newspapers anymore. Mm -hmm. I think they're, they're a bit a bit rubbish frankly i think what i do you know i mean i mean i'd have to have an editor sitting sitting over me telling me what to do whereas whereas now this is only a, a kind of recent phenomenon a product a product of of a are changing times um but i'm sure it's the way for i mean in a way it's it's sad it means the world is atomizing it means that you know when you and i were were, were lads people everyone got the sunday times say at the weekend they mm. these did didn't they and they probably got you know a couple of other papers as well they worked their way through them so, stuff there, yeah. so everyone everyone read the same columnists and there was a kind of shared experience a bit like the shared experience mm. where everyone watched the Morecambe and wise show mm. Mm. nobody mm. does that anymore well not least because Morecambe mm. and wise are dead <laughs> but, but um <laughs> the, the the that that world is gone and but it, but it's but it's it's kind of everything is more niche and bespoke now. So like you go to the you go to the cafe Delingpole and you get 
your special blend of of Delingpole flat mm. white, and you get all this, in. and it's really nice. Um, oh, fascinating! I'm going to look at that, find out if it's a market or an area or a thing I could do. Well, it, it it's sort of it might work for you. I mean, you you've got you've got more of an obvious business model than me. I mean, in that that you must have high-end clients with serious problems who are prepared to pay you top dollar to sort out their shit uh, absolutely no one's yeah. going to come with you, or, or you can do you can do corporate can't you i bet that can you do corporate do you do mm -hmm. that i yeah, can't really I, do that I, I, I don't want to tell my soul too much um so on my website on the corporate it says here's my day rates for stuff that i don't really want to do but i can do and here's my day rate for stuff that meets my values and beliefs and mission. Yeah. And I charge a lot less for stuff that, that's fun to do and, uh, and is who I want to be. So I say I can't be bought, but I can be hired if the price is high enough. That's, <laughs> that's absolutely, absolutely right. Um, I think, you see, again, that, that's about, it. I think, integrity. I don't want to sound too high-minded mm. here, but mm. I think that's a key part of, of congruence. Because isn't the result of and being, being honest and recognizing our, our market niche? Occasionally, people ring me up and they haven't seen the website, so they don't know what I charge. Uh, and I go, um, look, happy to help. There's no obligation. I'll chat to you. But do you know what my fees are? Yeah. And when I tell them, sometimes they go, blimey. That's a bit more than I'd expect. And I go, no, no problem. I can recommend you to colleagues who charge a load less than I do. We can look around. Occasionally, they'll, they'll go, how come you charge that much money? And I say, well, I think of it this way. Um, in hairdressing terms, I'm sort of at a senior stylist level. Yeah. With the experience I've got. And, and I think it's, it's a true thing. And it's also a nice self-deprecating way that, I'm not taking myself too seriously. I'm like, yes, I've studied for years and I've got this qualification. Yeah, yeah. I think the last count, I had about 37 letters after my name, but I don't put them on the card because it's, um, I don't, I'm not that much into uh, making, bigging myself up. Mm. I, I don't want to be bigger and better because then the clients can only be worse than me and that's not a good model. Yeah, uh, but, but nevertheless, I, I think you've, you've kind of, you've, you've kind of got it sorted and yeah. I, I don't i put it this way done it for a long I time man i don't lie awake worrying about you so steve this is really to say nothing hello. but hello <laughs> uh <laughs> people might not be people might not know but our video i've never used zoom before it completely froze and that whatever other clever things we were going to say are going to be lost forever and actually all i want to say is Thanks for a lovely chat. I think we've, we've said enough. We've, we've, we've covered all the bases, haven't we? I think. Completely. I, I thought you'd got to the end of a natural break and you decided yeah. to just cut me off. Which yeah, that's, that's my right Yeah, it's that's the perfect segue. Uh, so I, I want to say how enjoyable it's been. It's great to talk to you and catch up with you. And uh, thanks for letting me pontificate a lot. No, that's so, good. Uh, I, I, I hope yeah. that the number of people who find you helpful uh, uh, outnumber the people who think you're you're an annoying. <laughs> I seem to be getting away with it quite a lot. Well, so, you, well, you, um, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've helped me, and yeah. um, so I wanted you to help other people. So thank you. Bless you. Cheers, mate. You take care of yourself. Nice to talk to you. Enjoy. Bye.
Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.